Oh, thank goodness you're here. Is the specimen ready for cleaning? I shall call him Squishy, and he shall be mine, and he shall be my Squishy. Hello and welcome. You are listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod or send us an email, mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Kyle, we're back. Uh, the Pixar most visually beautiful sequence bracket last week um went okay we agreed on a couple of things which like normally we're like oh for eight in round one seriously i i'm surprised but i'm also thankful that we agreed on so many things because i think that just sets up this episode for some really interesting conversations uh about these next matchups especially on ones that I agreed with you and we kind of just moved it on. And now I have to say my piece about it. And the same thing with you. We have a lot to talk about still. And I'm really excited to dive in and to help us crown the most visually beautiful Pixar sequence is friend of the podcast, friend of the Pixar animation studios. It turns out it is our guest host, Eva. Eva, welcome back. Thank you so much, friend of the Pixar Studios. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I kind of want to, I now want to know a little bit more about uh, your friend who works for Pixar. So she worked on Jack-Jack as a, I'm assuming a character animator. Um, what kind of other uh, notable characters or, or scenes or sequences did your friend work on? Well, yeah, uh, she actually recently worked on Luca and she was the uh, background character. I don't know what they're called manager, I think. Okay. Uh, yeah. So she did that, which was pretty cool. I always get excited when I see her name in the credits. Yeah. Super cool. Uh, she worked on Coco. She worked on, I believe she, I think her first film was, uh, I know for sure she, uh, that was like the only big character. I think, uh, she worked on was Jack Jack. Um, from what she's told me so yeah she's actually before i got this new graphic design job i was working at a cafe and she'd come in every single day she'd wear you know her oh she also were uh worked on inside out she had her inside out shirt or sweatshirt and i was like oh like that's a cool sweatshirt where'd you get it she's like oh i'm sorry because i worked there and i was like uh what (laughs) so it was really cool she comes in every day and we're like so what you working on? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes she's like, yeah, can't really say. But I'm like, of course. Yeah, totally respect that. Also, <laughs> that's exciting. The fact that you're, you know, there's something in the works. Uh, Soul was another movie she worked on, too, that she was currently like, I can't talk about it, but it's exciting. Yeah. And and then COVID and all that stuff. So she was like, we everything's from home. We're all trying to, you know, Zoom and everything. So it was kind of like, I mean, that's my dream for sure. Work at Pixar. Like, what the heck? That's amazing. Yeah. 
Um, all right. Well, hey, let's get back to spoonfuls of sugars here. So we've got some stuff in our glass. I mean, I'm out of beer. So uh, we, got, we got some interesting stuff. Kyle, what do you got? I'm moving on to beer for this episode. And oh. it is uh, a Clown Shoes, which I assume is the brewing company. Didn't really do my research on this. Yes. Clown Shoes beer from Boston. Uh, and it is a space cake double IPA. Uh, and it it has like some like superhero dude with lasers oh. blown up in the background. Uh, yeah, it, it tastes like a double IPA. Uh, <laughs> it's it's tasty. It's it's heavy. It is what it is. Um, and so I'm just going to call this the Space Dance IPA uh, because cool. obviously wally's number one seat we're going to talk about it again so i'm going with that space theme chris what you got so i mean like i said last week we're on the hard alcohol and like one of my things that i do is because like i don't rip shots anymore so if i need to buy an alcohol for like let's say i want to make a mixed drink like i'll get i'll spend a little bit more i'm not going like get me that bottle out of the case it's a hundred dollars right. like it's like okay instead of like the 9.99 potters i'm going for like the 35 dollar you know i'm gonna splurge a little bit so totally what like one of my like least smart alcohol purchases during my time i've had this bottle for like four years i swear it is it's a stoli gold vodka that was huh. like it was like 40 bucks and i literally maybe poured like half an ounce into a mixed drink one time <laughs> uh so it's like it's definitely it's going in the drain like it will be below the city in the sewers uh soon <laughs> getting the little mice and rats of the city turnt um <laughs> Re- turn, turn boy up. turn boy remy um yeah. <laughs> shout out shout out uh but yeah mixed it with diet coke so i mean we had jerry's laugh last week and now we got jerry's teeth because we there said he probably soaks his teeth in vodka <laughs> jerry the turn boy so that's what i got uh eva what about you so i actually have a fun little i guess you could say mocktail because like i said i got no alcohol in my house besides wine and we're not doing sure. that tonight sure <laughs> Um, it's funny cause I made popsicles and the base of it, you can use as like a lemonade as well. So we got, mm. we got honey, peach, thyme, mm. lemonade. Yum. It's refreshing. It's good. And it would be even better with a little bit of like, you know, tequila, to say. but I got none of that, unfortunately. <laughs> so that's for the next time you guest us. The next time the next, you'll you'll bring yes, that for sure. I'll have it for sure. Yes. <laughs> that like that is a high effort mocktail though. I know. Oh, actually, I mean, yes, it is. But I like things that taste fresh and food. I'm into it. So. I'm into it. Um, I also just want to point out that I am wearing my Giants hat. And when we hopped on the call, Eva was like, mm, mm-mm, "No, don't, <laughs> don't, don't like that." And I'm I'm on the call here with two A's humans. Um, mm-hmm. which, you know, what I get it. It is what it is. Um, but like I shipped all of like all of my things, like all of my, my hat collections, like 25 hats deep. And I, I trying to like downsize what I have here in New York. It's a giant's hat and my Nike hat. And I wore my <laughs> Nike hat last week. So I got to wear my giant's hat this week. <laughs> but perhaps the worst offense is that when I'm, I shipped all of my beautiful Mouse Madness mugs, my Spoonful of Sugar mug, my Haunted Mansion 50th mug, my Mary Poppins mug, my Frozen Musical mug uh, this week. And like I forgot to buy 
like packing bubbles or like packing paper uh-huh. or whatever. So I just rolled up a bunch of t-shirts into like my mugs <laughs> and like su- suddenly oh, my, my like t-shirt supply went from like 15 to like five. So <laughs> I'm like, okay, I got to throw on a shirt. So I'm, I'm wearing my giant's hat with this Rockies t-shirt. Oh my Which goodness. I'm like, I'm doing like N- oh, no. NL West major violations uh, right now. So I feel awkward. Uh, fortunately, like the Rocky stuff is below my, <laughs> like what you can see on this recording. So at least <laughs> so there's you're that. Safe. I'm safe. So you're safe for now. You're safe for now. All right. Let's move on to our pool of the pod. It is time to find Mr. Tom Morrow. Will it be? This time that yes. we find the elusive this is card this is the in time. the Disneyland 50th anniversary tops collection. Tom Morrow from Rocket to the Moon Interventions. We're looking for this weird animatronic. We haven't found him yet. Let's see what we got. First card. Sleeping Beauty's Castle. Mm, classic. Very classic. It's very classic. It's a yeah. debut attraction. Iconic. I, very iconic. And what's interesting is that the debut attraction card has the year 1957 on it. Now, Disneyland opened <laughs> in 1955 with the castle. So why is it 1957? Well, fret not, because I went ahead and Googled ahead of time. And I found that 1957 is when they opened Sleeping Beauty's castle walkthrough. So beforehand, this was just the castle. And then they opened mm-hmm. it up as an attraction. So it was an attraction before. It became an attraction in 1957, hence 1957 on the card. Mystery solved. Next one up, it's the Circarama Theater. Circarama Theater is where I believe Buzz Lightyear is now. Yeah. 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 It, it used to host uh, the show in which there were screens all around you and in between each screen was a projector that would project on a screen across the way. So you get this 360 panoramic view of the show you're watching. And I believe it was just, uh, yeah, a tour of the West was the original film um, that they strapped a bunch of cameras to the top of a station wagon and they drove around. It's pretty (laughs) incredible. The, the, I by the time my family started like frequenting Disneyland, uh, that attraction was gone, and the space was used as queue for Rocket Rods. Oh, the infamous, the infamous Rocket Tomorrowland Rods. attraction. So, like when I think of that building, uh, pre-Buzz, I think of standing in that gigantic room that was like I feel like it was like blacklit or something with like some weird kind of concept cars. It was very like <laughs> exciting sense. but low effort at the same time. Did you ride Rocket Rods? I did. Yeah, we have oh, wow. home video footage of oh, wow. of Rocket Rods. It was not super fun. Well, yeah. You're one of you <laughs> that wrote it. Look at you. Yeah. Look at I got you. it. Rare, rare credit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. The next card up. 1989 debut attraction. Splash Mountain. Soon to be Tiana's drop. Uh, it has a photo of a log going down on the front. And then it has a wider shot of the entire mountain on the back. Check out the Instagram. You'll see it there. This is a good one. The next card, which is not Tom Morrow, which means that we didn't get it because the card after this is an attraction poster. But this is a great card nonetheless. It is the dual marquee card. 
So they're they're celebrating the time in which wow. the old <laughs> Disneyland sign and the new Disneyland sign existed at the same time. <laughs> Wait, I love that for Disney to like acknowledge that this like flub is memorable. And it's so on the back of this it says for one day the original marquee sat by the replacement one in 1989 and they memorialized it with this great moments dual marquee card this is an incredible piece frame of history it, right frame here it, yeah this is we're saving this one forever and chris is gonna love this chris is going to love this the attraction poster of the pack people mover nope mark twain mark twain riverboat oh next, the next best one the let's next go. best one for you it is uh it looks like a old west hand-drawn poster that is advertising a a riverboat tour on the mark twain and it is a phenomenal phenomenal piece of art as they all are but nonetheless there is no tom morrow in this pack so we continue our search next time oh well um all right so just to remind everyone uh, our survey demographic for this bracket was People big mad about the Magic Key program, new annual pass <laughs> program coming soon to a Disney park near you. Lots of people had a lot of opinions when it was kind of like price revealed last week and detail revealed. I mean, there were so many. There were like last week was such a huge week for Disney news. It was like huge. It week. was like uh, Starship Galactic Cruiser pricing, uh, Magic Key pricing, Disneyland Paris pay per fast pass. What the heck? Yeah. Um, yeah. So. A lot of people had a lot to say about the Disney company. Um, and yeah, sure. So it was not super hard to find people um, up in arms about the magic key. And to kind of remind everyone where we left off on the bracket, we've got things narrowed down to our round of eight. It is the number one seed Define Dancing from Wally versus number nine, The Cleaner from Toy Story 2. Number 13, Nemo's First Day of School from Finding Nemo versus number 12, Lightning McQueen's Crash from Cars 3. On the other side of the brackets, the number two seed Crossing the Marigold Bridge sequence from Coco versus number seven, Joe's Jazz Club Jam Session from Soul. And then finishing off the round of eight, it's number three, Carl Goes Up sequence from Up versus the Mrs. Incredible versus Screen Slaver fight from Incredibles 2. So uh, we had a we had a few upsets. We had a few top seeds yeah. move on. Uh, kind of a mixed bag for results um, in the round of 16. But I started things off last episode. So why don't you uh, do the honors this time, Kyle? Awesome. So last time I said I would talk about the Wally sequence this time, and that's exactly what I'll do. What's really stunning about this scene, and I know we're not talking about music, but the entire first part of the sequence is completely silent. Like you don't get the defined dancing theme until Wally gives Eve the potted plant. Uh, he gets launched out in the escape pod. The escape pod like blows up, self-destructs. He comes whizzing back with the fire extinguisher, presents the potted plant, and then you start the music. And it's very striking. It's like a very intimate moment and a like a and a celebratory moment because of the silence. Yes. Even though that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, still. 
So there's a lot of like galaxy like flares in the backgrounds, a lot of purples and blues. They use those two very soft colors throughout this, including Eve's uh, like power trail that she leaves behind her. The <laughs> chemtrails. The flames. <laughs> Chem tra- yeah, Eve, Eve polluting space. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the the flames of the boosters of the ship itself are purples and blues and very very hot whites and so i was looking up like color meaning in film and i kind of alluded to it a little bit last episode and i'm sure chris studied it a lot in his film studies in college um a lot of colors mean a lot of things you can kind of translate it to mean whatever you need it to mean in a film sequence but what's interesting is that purple is a lot of the time used for intimacy. And that's kind of what you have here is what you you have this love sequence of, you know, Wally essentially sacrificing what feels like himself for Eve and what Eve needs. And this is like an act of love that he's doing for her by saving this plant. And then they go off and have this very intimate dance moment strikingly beautiful the particles of the fire extinguisher itself is very very beautiful the way chris you described the the symmetry and their dancing them weaving together them flowing in motion they're they're connected that's the whole point of this is that they're they're here they're connected mm-hmm. they're sharing this very connected moment and it's just it's a beautiful moment subject wise, which is what we're not talking about. But it's also presented in this way that all of your attention is only on them. There's moments in which they weave through the burners, as I brought up. But a lot of it's also taking place with the black backdrop of space. And I think that's really awesome. And it's a nice use of framing of the camera. It's very beautiful. It's up against the cleaner, which I did not move by last time. I think that there is beauty in the details there. Uh, the The way that the, the eyeball shines when he cleans it, the satisfying way in which he stitches up Woody's arm, the shots from within Woody's arm to look out and see the stitches happening, the details in, in our boy Jerry's eyes when we see it magnified towards the screen. Like that's something that, they didn't need to do because this is a cartoon, but that we get because they care about those details. And I think that's also very beautiful. Yeah. So, you know, we, the cleaner, it's funny. So the cleaner is very iconic, right? We brought it up last episode that you could describe it as man fixes toy. What movie is this? They're like Toy Story 2. It's a lot shorter of a moment than I remember it being. And maybe it's because it's so iconic that you feel like it lasts forever. Like, but it's a very it's a fairly quick sequence. The defined dancing is much longer than I remember it. And it's because we yeah. cut back to the axiom so often that it almost feels like I get I get why we said it last time. There's this like robots falling in love and having a connection with each other as humans should be that they're not having on the axiom and then they realize that. But it feels like the most impactful thing is just even Wally dancing in space. Like that's what yeah. we, that's what we want to see. And especially the distracting harsh voice of John Ratzenberger. Like he's just <laughs> screaming at this <laughs> about Wally and his, that's being his friend. So this one's actually tough. 
uh, even though I didn't pass the cleaner on last time, but you two talking about it and the, and those beauty and the details is really nice. And Define Dancing being interrupted takes away a little bit, takes you out of the beauty of that scene. But I don't think I can not. I don't think I can have an upset right now. I don't think the upset is worth it. I think that this iconic dancing scene can live to see another day because of how beautiful they use the colors, because of how beautiful they choreograph the dance between the two robots. I think it just works so well. And while the cleaner is an iconic moment in which the details matter a lot, it's not quite the beauty when it's compared against Define Dancing. I'm going with the number one seed. Um, so um, I, I, I agree that like the Axiom stuff really takes you out of the moment, but I do think they do kind of a good job of like keeping it, like keeping your attention on what's happening outside the ship. You kind of like have the view of them like through the windows and the music kind of like is like an underlying element of it that kind of like keeps your brain outside. Sure. I think we should call out like why this is called the defined dancing sequence. It's because the captain of the ship is with the like Hal 9000 computer and he's watching the video of like Earth 101 or whatever. And yeah. they say the word dancing. He's like, computer, define dancing. And then <laughs> the computer is like, dancing when two people or things like are acting in unison often uh, <laughs> to, to the rhythm of music. I'm like, this is, this is, I don't know if y'all ever did Jane Schaefer style for like writing paragraphs in school. My school district was obsessed <laughs> with this woman named Jane Schaefer. And it was like, first you have an intro sentence, then you have a body sentence and then a body sentence and then a conclusion sentence, like paragraph structure. And like, there was this big like master sheet of like how to start an essay. Right. And one of them was like, start by like writing the dictionary definition of a word. <laughs> yes, yes. And so like in that moment, in that scene in Wally, -E, it takes me back there to like the corniness of like, how should we, hmm, how should we start this? How should we start this? Mm, I know dictionary definition art. Yep. So I cringe a little bit. <laughs> whenever someone gives a different de dictionary definition of anything on any show or movie or whatever. Sure. Uh, because of that trauma I experienced learning how to write essays <laughs> in grade school. Um, Wally, Wally and Eve are such an interesting couple. I think, I think acts of service is definitely Wally's love language, right? Like he seems uh, to, yes. to like be able to go, to like massive lengths to to do things for people or things that he cares about. But like also yep. at the same time, he's got some physical touch too, because doesn't he get kissed during this sequence and get like launched? Yeah, and he floats away. <laughs> he gets, he floats he gets away, like yeah. short circuiting like burnt. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like when uh when Doctor Strange gets like bah, and like he has an out-of-body experience. That was <laughs> yeah. that was Wally. <laughs> Again, like Avengers just stealing stuff from Pixar. What's what's up with that? Uh, thousand percent. So I have no idea what Eve's love language is. She just seems kind of mean, to be honest. <laughs> like she, very dismissive. She just seems like she doesn't like him very much. Until this moment. Yeah. Until this moment. So maybe I mean maybe hers is acts of service as well. This is like a moment where like their love languages are kind of like aligning potentially. 
Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's kind of like the cool thing about Pixar is you have these characters that don't really talk that you can characterize them, you know. I'm going with the cleaner. No. Uh, I think it is a short sequence, but it is a much tighter sequence and it is much more impactful. I know we're talking about visually beautiful, but I think the frame composition and the pacing and the edit is part of the visual beauty. So I'm going with it. I do have the upset. So which means we're going to have to go to a tiebreaker. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Well, shoot. Oh, this is definitely hard for many reasons. (laughs) I think the way that they just connected Wally and Eve, I think Wally finally got his what he's been wanting from Eve, right? During this whole thing, during this whole little dance that they're doing. Yeah, attention. Um, Attention, finally, right? Uh, Because, yeah, she's kind of, yeah, she's kind of been mean to him. She's kind of like, no, I have a mission. You're getting in the way of this mission. And Wally's like, no, but I love you. (laughs) (laughs) Why won't you love me back? And Eve's like, okay, that's cute and all, but no. (laughs) You're right, exactly. Um. But they're finally in this moment where they're just together. And you see that also with Don and Mary, they're together. I do think that it's kind of weird. I didn't really think that because they didn't really do much in the movie with John and Mary. So I, after that moment, at least, yeah, they, when they were falling, when the ex- axiom was tilting, yeah, they were like, all right, I have some kids. And then, <laughs> you know, that was weird. I don't know. I, didn't get why that was such a like I mean I get it I do get it but it was a little bit too much of a scene for them when we really should have been focusing on Wally and Eve sure at least that's just my thinking of it but I do understand because of course of what you guys said so it makes sense um I think when they were just going through the blasters that was yeah. pretty yeah that was pretty amazing yeah, i think was. if they didn't insert that in i think i probably would have been more like oh yeah cleaner let's <laughs> let's do it although it's hard it's so hard <laughs> um but then with the cleaner it's just yeah i just it's just too iconic you know what i'm saying it, it <laughs> no but it's um i think the way they captured every little detail of what it is that he needed to do um, with the sound made it for me, I think. Because when you were guys were talking about the paint on the boot, you can hear the paint being like the stroke of it on the material of the boot. Mm. I don't know. I With me, because I'm an artist, so I, I use those materials. I use paint. I use paper. I use brushes. So... The fact that they captured those little tiny details of the materials he was actually using, the sounds made it for me. And I know we're talking about <laughs> visuals, but the but the fact that they nailed the sound yeah. made the visuals even more enjoyable to watch. Right. You know? Right. So it also means that they nailed the visual if they Yeah, exactly. So there's that for me for the cleaner. And then Wally, there's the visual love 
that you see there with Wally and Eve. And then that cute little kiss that he does <laughs> get from Eve. And he just floats. Talking about polluting. He left the fire extinguisher just floating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. I was like, excuse me. polluting couple here. What, polluting what couple. They ended Earth. Like, Earth was already dead and they're not even helping out. Exactly, point. exactly. So <laughs> I yeah, I saw that. I was like, dude, get your get your trash, please. <laughs> get your trash. <laughs> uh but it's hard. It really is hard. Although, oh man. The song Define Dancing with the scene is just so beautiful. Yeah. You know? Cause when you put that music on, that's what you're looking at. You're looking at Wally and Eve floating through space. I know this is taking long. I'm trying to convince myself which one, because <laughs> okay. I don't know. Okay. I think, uh, man, I'm gonna have to do the cleaner for me. Oh my gosh! Because it's just so that it the, it's the sound for me. It really is just the sound. Okay. For me and Jerry's my guy. So yeah, boy, Jerry. He Jerry, did. He look at him. He fixed Woody. Like, oh my goodness, <laughs> he fixed Woody for Andy. <sighs> really i mean but yeah the stitching the yeah I, yeah the cleaner that's it iconic all right, <laughs> all right. in every case way closed. iconic goes <laughs> iconic um all right hey jerry the cleaner advances to the final four let's freaking go um <laughs> next matchup it's number 13 nemo's first day of school from finding nemo versus number 12 lightning's crash from Cars 3. We've talked about everything I think that we need to talk about with Finding Nemo and that first day of school sequence. The The best part just being how much is packed into that yep. uh, exposition. Lighting, colors, movement um, from, from you know big pieces like the fish to small pieces like little particles, dirt and sand that's floating in the ocean. Just yep. chef's kiss. Um, Cars three, we shouted out the the like slow mo and just like the drama of that moment when lightning crashes. I want I didn't get to talk about it a lot, so I want to break it down a little bit more. So this this sequence is like a whole race. Um, I do not know the name of Homeboy, who is the like bad boy car. Yeah, no idea. Um, but he's he's murking lightning, you know, <laughs> and. I think I think like the the part where it really starts picking up for me is when they go down the pit road and there are so many lighting towers on a uh. racetrack that when the car it's it's nighttime and the car is driving around the track the shadows kind of like flicker because th- there's just so many lights coming from so many different angles it's kind of like how if you're playing Madden your football guy has four different shadows it's because there's all these different lights uh in the game so they oh my gosh like they do that so great in this sequence the little little, like light flicker the shadow flicker it's just expert level you know yep um i love a movie that you can turn the brightness down during a scene and the blacks are like true blacks Mm. and i think during this sequence, because it takes place at night, they do a really good job of that, of like kind of having 
the black be black and the the illuminated portions feel very like glowy um, and high contrast. It's just such a good night scene. So they're doing the race and then lightning crashes. This is an action moment, a car crash, right? Like it's yeah. one of the most terrifying, but also exciting things that can happen in the world. Like any, any type of like vessel crashing. And, and so often during movies, like the car crashes, rapid, rapid edit, rapid cuts, um, really make it seem exciting. But this movie slows it down because it's not about a car crashing. It's about Lightning McQueen's failure. Yeah. The superstar, the fall of our hero. Yeah. And they have the camera down on the track, down level with the ground. And there's nothing. And then lightning slowly comes over the camera and you see him do the roll. Then it speeds up. You hit. I don't, it's hard to even like orient yourself. It's, You've got like car, like bumpers hitting the wall and like rubber skidding and sparks. And it's just like it happens so fast, but also looks so real. It's like, was that real footage of a car crash? <laughs> yeah, like right seriously. there? That was crazy. And, um, Kyle, you were like, I think the, I can't remember what word you used to describe it, like the shock, like the shock yeah, of the shock scene value. makes mm-hmm. it beautiful. And like, I, I want to call out the fact that like, there are people who watch motorsports sort of rooting for a crash to happen. Right. Not because like, obviously people get seriously injured or killed um, in crashes in motorsport, but like there is something spectacular about seeing these beautiful pieces of engineering get absolutely obliterated and go up in flames. And so I think I really, really appreciate that about this lightning crash and like the way that they kind of captured it in a real, really realistic way, but also in a way that makes us really sympathize with what is being wrecked. And that is lightning McQueen. Um, yeah, scary and loud. Um, but the same time, alluring. Uh, for that reason, I'm advancing the Lightning McQueen crash. I think just the, I like it's just a visually more memorable moment to me. I think uh, we talked about the Nemo sequence being a bit longer, yeah. and kind of incorporating a lot of different shots, a lot of different sequences into like a, a much longer like scene or exposition. Uh, the Lightning race, the Lightning crash. It's a little bit. It's 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 a little long, but it. I, I just think the way that it's capped off with that slow-mo is just God tier. Hmm. What's interesting about both of these is the way that Pixar using is the way that Pixar uses light in a very expert way. Like to show light from underwater and how it would react and interact with things around it in Finding Nemo is realistic. The way that it shines, the way that it glimmers, the way that it makes things look different colors than maybe it would on on land. Eva brought up that when uh, in Hermes the Dance, when Marlin comes up to the surface to find Nemo when Nemo's skirting off in the in the boat, He's a darker tone, right? Because the light isn't reflecting off of water off of him like it is under the water. He's a he's a duller tone above it. 
knowing that and being able to to animate that is such an impressive feat of technology and just shows what creative geniuses the animators and the i like ink and painters of the digital age that these folks are right like it's awesome and they do that within this first day of school through the end what's what's incredible about the sequence is is that it starts out from the end of the title sequence so you're already looking up at the light and you're like oh yeah we're underwater right now i feel like i'm underwater and it slowly you slowly sink down into the anemone bed and and there's nemo being annoying and waking up marlin right it's a long one. It's definitely Pixar flexing on us that they could create this underwater underwater world with such detail and complexities. But it sets the scene. This is the this is home. This is where everyone is. And from there, they're going to go off into the vast nothingness. You don't see anything like this for the rest of the movie because this is home this is where all of the fish are and dangers out beyond and that's what marlin's been afraid of this entire time but i just can't get over their use of light and color in this it's just so eye-catching the entire time but i also get what you're saying about lightning's crash and not only is the moment a beautiful disaster if i may but the way in which they animate this beautiful disaster is gorgeous in its own right Use of sparks, the use of lighting on a racetrack that's happening at night. Just the glow of bad boy car looks very fluorescent in real life underglow bad boy car that you would see on a a street with underglow, right? Everything just looks so, so good. So it's tough. Um, Yeah, I think that in this matchup, I'm going to have to given i'm going to have to go with lightning's crash because of the detail of this crash and the thought that went into it not that nemo isn't detailed but i don't think that that's even the most beautiful scene in finding nemo i think that there's others that are way more beautiful than that it's beautiful color wise detail and and the types of fish all of that is beautiful but they do such a good job throughout that movie i mean it won best pixar movie bracket for a reason right it is a phenomenal film both animation and story wise so it'll go down here and i won't be too sad about it lightning's crash is going to move on the 12th seed eva what are your thoughts honestly i'm not too mad about it um but man that is tough it's tough yeah because when you're talking about the fact that Marley was a different color, when you brought that yeah. up, I was like, "Well, yeah, he was. You're right. That's that's something that I didn't really think about." But I do agree with uh, with you, Kyle, that there's other scenes in Fighting Nemo that are much more beautiful. Not that that wasn't beautiful, but I mean, even honestly, even the open ocean scenes are pretty like amazing. Because to capture the fact that you're not just in this, like, bland blue, like, something, you know? There's depth. You can tell that you're in a... Yeah. So, and there's shadow. There's light as well, even though they're they're supposed to be in the middle of just nothing. Uh, 
So those are kind of like, you become in awe, like, whoa, yeah, they're definitely in the middle of the ocean. But yeah, no, Lightning's Crash, I mean, when I first watched it, I, I did shed a tear for Lightning. I was like, <laughs> my childhood dream of Lightning McQueen being the best is crushed. It's gone. It's gone. So <laughs> yeah, I know that, that, I mean, the fact that that scene drawn me to that kind of emotion means that they killed it with the visuals. So yeah, I think yeah. I do agree. Although tiny bit sad, but actually not super sad. <laughs> so <laughs> tiny bit sad, but not. Yeah, but a little, a little, yeah. a little sad, but not. Okay. okay. All right, let's move on to this next Elite Eight matchup, which I will be very sad about. It is the number Ooh. two crossing the Marigold Bridge versus the number seven Joe's Jazz Session. This is like Kyle's brain just competing against itself here. This is just insane. So I didn't talk much about the Marigold Bridge, and, and Chris and Eva, you both did a very, very good job at it. But there is one aspect of it that I really really wanted to talk about and it was the lighting of the marigolds once they were touched on the characters around them uh it it was just such an impressive use of uh of lighting of shadow in which when they would touch there was this very soft underglow that wasn't like this harsh shine it was almost like they are ancestors they are spirits they are this other dimension of life and it just was such a smart move to do it that way because it is very much a like crossing over it's very much like you're walking down the red carpet you have this glow about you you are above others sort of feeling and that's what that lighting gives and i just think that it's such a it just adds I know we're not talking about music, but as that 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 um, score swells and you get the big reveal, that glow kind of gives you that hint of what you're about to see. Like if this is what happens when you cross the bridge, wait till you see what this world looks like. And we do get to see the world. And Eva, I'm so glad that you brought up that the world even incorporates parts of death that are celebrated like the skulls in its architecture and it uses the colors from real world mexico within this afterlife uh uh mexican culture it's so beautiful it's just so great you get a ton of like kinetic energy within this world as well like this is not the land of the dead this is like the next step yep. in life mm -hmm. is the afterlife in which life continues in a different way. Yeah. And they show that by all the movement. There's trolleys moving around. There's people walking in the streets. There's lights that are flickering because parties are happening. And that's how it's like. Sorry. And that's how it's like in Mexico, too. Yes. And that's another thing that I love about that movie is that they captured. I mean, yeah, you could go to Mexico and be like, oh, yeah, OK, this is how it is. It's the atmosphere. It's the people. It's the people are always out in the street. There's never really a time where there's just no people out. And yeah, they captured that beautifully. And I'm just like, wow, I'm kind of like they they did it. They did it. And they did it so well. Um, but yeah, anyways. <laughs> yeah, no. Awesome. No, like what a challenge. Yeah. You know, like so many of these sequences are like, oh, let's take this thing that already exists and animate it super realistic where this is like, let's take 
a tradition of a whole culture that technically doesn't really exist visually and let's invent it and also still be respectful and authentic. Yeah, absolutely yeah. incredible. I love it a lot. And that that is the iconic Coco scene, right? It's the him with Dante, the camera swoops around him, you see from behind his head and then swoop over him of that entire land of the dead cityscape. But my favorite shot is when Dante runs across the bridge and we get this wide shot symmetrical view of the Marigold Bridge mm-hmm. with the pillars that are cascading down that yes. looks like a waterfall. But so you know that this is some sort of spiritual thing like this bridge only exists here and you see it even then you see the glow happening with each step of the people on the bridge. It is genius. It is such a chill inducing shot that I love so, so much. And like you, Eva, I went to Pixar Studios right after Coco was released. So you can go up to that second level and see all of the production art. And I remember walking up there and seeing this shot as a production art piece. And I was like, this is incredible. This is absolutely gorgeous. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. So I love I love this scene a lot. I think a lot of Coco is beautiful, but this two minute section of the movie is just it's it's where it peaks visually for me. It is stunning. Yeah, it's up against Joe's jazz session and Joe's jazz session gives me a sense of like being when you watch it. It's like you we've all been in this zone. We've all fell in love with a craft or a, a passion and you've never been able to describe what in the zone is. And Pixar's like just like in Coco. We've never been able to draw out what this afterlife looks like, but we're going to do it. We've never been able to draw what in the zone is, but we're going to do it. And it's you floating with the colors of warmth and the feeling of the music at the time and you're definitely floating and the area around you is interacting with you without disturbing you working in harmony with jazz which is harmonies like it's just so smart i like this matchup is is the matchup this is the finals matchup for me like there's nothing else that that matters for me like this is the matchup and it's crazy the detail in the jazz session before he even shows, like before he even goes into the zone is phenomenal. Already brought up the lighting, the sparkling of the saxophone. Everything is so realistic as far as lighting goes in this, in the scene, in the sequence, the way that his fingers are moving and flowing feel very natural. They don't look like, I mean, they look like animated hands, but they don't look like they're doing things that normal hands couldn't do, uh, which is, very Pixar of them to do, right? Definitely checked somebody's hands and then just animated over them, which is what they should do. That's <laughs> amazing. So in this matchup, I think I'm going to have to go with the number two crossing the Marigold Bridge only because of the feeling of just amazement and beauty from the moment that they're walking through the cemetery and you feel like even that feels warm. That feels like a place of gathering, of family, of, of love all of the lights, it just looks really gorgeous as it is. But as you cross that bridge, 
you get that wide shot you get the swoop around see the the cityscape it is a gorgeous gorgeous sequence i'm going with number two did you talk about the score on that sequence yet? The like swelling mariachi? I, I said the swell, but I didn't mention what the sound was. Yeah, that's amazing. And when I saw it in, I'm going to bring it up every time we talk about Coco. When I saw it live at the San Francisco Symphony, that part, hearing it live like in with the orchestra like around you, Oh my gosh. Incredible. I mean, like if the movie peaks visually in that moment, which I agree that it does, it also for me peaks from a score perspective, not like music yes. songs, like actual no, no, no. the score, the Michael Giacchino score peaks in that moment with that sound. Yes. Perfect. Perfection. Uh, Perfection. It's like armchair imagineering. Let's do it for a second. All right. Coco, Coco attraction. Epcot Pavilion. Yep. Epcot Mexico Pavilion. Coco Boat Ride. Okay? Yep. Marigold Bridge. Is it in the attraction somewhere, like once you're on the boat, or is it in the queue and you have to cross the bridge to get onto the attraction and like as you're walking up, you have to also, you can kind of see people in front of you in the line, if that makes sense, like crossing it. And then, so you kind of get that effect of like the waterfall flowers. Here's what it is. It's a, it's like a haunted mansion queue where it's separate. So, so the, the, that's where the attraction starts. You get let into whatever you're supposed to get let into. Let's say it's the cemetery. It's you're going into this oh, big okay. building. It's back and you, you have to walk through the cemetery with your group of people because what makes the scene work is that it swells with you as you go over the bridge. So you need to move with the sound of the the score. So if you are just in a queue, just move in, you're going to hear this loop. It's not going to have the same effect. But if you do it like the Haunted Mansion where you're walking through like the hallway with the changing portraits and the turning heads, your group can walk over this bridge. Your light, The lights are shining when you step on the ground. You go over this bridge, it swells, and you get revealed into the 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 city, and then down there, doom buggies. You hop in, you're going <laughs> through the land of the dead. <laughs> so, like, that's interesting. So it's like a pre-show. It's like a pre-show element. That's the pre-show, and then the attraction is you going through, finding Ernesto de la Cruz, and doing all the stuff within that land uh, until you find out you're he's not your grandpa. So what about what about if it's like we'll do we'll go to the next level and make it like a rise of the resistance thing where like they let <laughs> they let like a few groups on the bridge at once and you can like take pictures and there's a cool kind of like video like panel yeah. underneath you that like the reacts to your footsteps. Yeah. And then and then there's like uh infinity monitors around you that you can kind of like cuz there is that shot of Miguel looking out to the side and you see all the other marigold bridges yeah. that are out there. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Hire oh, us. That's interesting. Hire and then us, <laughs> And then you get to the customs gates and some people don't make it through and your ride's <laughs> over. <laughs> like and your ride's over. And then Gone. your ride's over. You have to go through the exit. <laughs> that's so funny. So yeah. I guess the limitation is it is a like a boat ride at this moment in time. So maybe yeah. maybe Peter Pan type flying ride where you ride on and uh, out of Brihe. Maybe. Oh, 
Oh, I like that idea. Um, again, like this, this overdue. This attraction is overdue. It's way overdue. Yes. Um, I don't, I don't have anything to add to the Marigold Bridge. Um, and your breakdown of it. I, I do want to call out the sequence immediately before this, when Miguel is in the tomb of Ernesto de la Cruz and he's doing the guitar and the yeah. marigolds like ah. come out of it. That's a great yes. one. This, the five minute block of this movie <laughs> is just captivating. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. Joe's jazz. I didn't really get to talk about Joe's jazz. Elite, just elite stuff. I think, <laughs> I mean, like, like, I mean, you broke it down like the, yeah. The like lighting behind Dorothea, the silhouetting, the reflection of the saxophone, the, the way that his hands move on the piano, the reflection of his fingers in the like blackness of the piano, the like yeah. you know overhead shot of it, and like obviously it's just elite level animation. It's beautiful. It's dynamic. It's colorful. I think I appreciate this sequence from a filmmaking perspective because so many movies today will not let you hang on a moment. You know, it's like Pixar slowing down. It's and it's rare. It's rare, you know, in an inside out. The only time it slows down is when it's like, oh, Bing Bong's dead. We're gonna like <laughs> let's like like let's milk this, let's milk this a little bit. And and I'm I'll say something controversial, but it's like the same thing with like Mama Coco is dead, you know? It's like let's right. let's only yeah. slow it down to try and like invoke an emotional response from you. Yes. Whereas yes, I appreciate yes. like Computer yeah. animation is this very kind of inspiring medium. And so I love how this jazz sequence forces you to be alone with your thoughts for like three yeah. minutes while it's going on. Like you, your mind wanders, like it's going to, Oh yeah, it's this very stimulating music and like very stimulating images. Like you're going to have a similar kind of out of body experience that Joe's having on the screen where you're like, well, I just spaced out and like I started thinking about something else and like <laughs> yes. And like I think to me that is a good thing. Like that is what movies should do. Like you should be having an internal dialogue with yourself while you're watching a movie and be like, "Oh, yeah. That reminds me of that thing that's happening in my life or like, you know, whatever. Yeah. That's poetic." So, I'm going to go with Joe's jazz session for that reason. Uh with but also saying that I appreciate uh, everything that that Marigold Bridge sequence does. Visually, totally. culturally, everything. Uh, yep. So we got a tie break. Eva. Yeah, no. Uh, well, have you guys ever been to a jazz, like, sesh? Like a jazz concert? One time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's, I have, it's the vibes. Oh, it's all the vibes. Like, it's just a completely different kind of vibe. And um, I have a friend who is a uh, jazz player. He plays you jazz. You just got friends, he, huh? You just got, got friends. I got friends. I got cool. friends. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> he, and, and I've seen him perform many times. And, oh, he plays the bass. And, oh, my goodness. He is a completely different person on stage when he's playing his music. His In jazz his music. It's, it, whatever. Yeah, so... Pixar created that. What I see, whatever I'm, I'm looking at him playing his music. That's what 
that scene is in Pixar. He's floating. And soul. He's floating with blue <laughs> floating. around him. He literally yeah. is floating. You could see it in his face. Totally. And it's it's just so and only he knows, you know, he knows what his zone is. And that's Joe's zone. Yeah. And they just captured the heck out of it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's such a stunning and such a like emotionally like dense scene. It's so good. Because it's really just piano and like silence and you're yeah. sitting there just absorbing it. I'm sad that we couldn't see this in theaters. Like oh, that would yeah. have been a moment in yes. theaters. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I was uh, watching it with my brother and he was saying the same thing. He was like, wow, imagine if we saw that in the theaters. Oh, it would have been like mind blown. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, obviously. I wanted to say one thing about the Marigold Bridge too with the whole like glowing and that's the like anticipation and joy that we feel when we're trying to, I mean, I personally don't do it because it's more of like a religious Catholic um, ceremony when you're doing that. But I had a Catholic tia aunt who did it and the anticipation and the joy of having your family that's passed back with you and they captured that too with the whole glowing aspect mm. of it too. So that's what I see as well when I'm watching that uh, that scene. So it's super tough because yeah. those two have such amazing like core meanings behind it. But my goodness, I, I mean, yeah, I'm going to have to go with the Marigold Bridge <laughs> just because it's it's close and dear to my heart so <laughs> personal bias yeah. bring it on yeah not mad uh like kyle said that was that's a finals matchup right there like, yeah no, that was, it really is no question Definitely um all right hard. so the marigold bridge advances to the final four uh who will be our last final four entry it is number three Carl goes up from Up versus number 11, Mrs. Incredible versus Screenslaver and Incredibles 2. Uh, Incredibles uh, and the Screenslaver fight got kind of an easy draw. The Door Depot was very memorable, like conceptually in Monsters, Inc. Just like the idea of like, oh, there's all these doors leading to all these different places. What would happen if they were all active at once? Chaos ensues. Um, (laughs) Physical comedy ensues. Uh, so it is memorable. Calling it visually beautiful might be a stretch. Uh, the Incredibles, it, and, it was. and it was the 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 Screenslaver moment. I said that it might not be beautiful, but it was visually memorable, visually complex, visually jarring, and just mind expanding was the word I used. Um, and for that reason, I'm gonna have to go with Carl goes up because I think we need to start really kind of like being careful about using the word beauty. And like, this is like most visually beautiful Pixar sequence. And there is uh, plenty of beauty to be had in that Carl goes up sequence. You've got the color of his house as it floats through the sky, the color of the balloons as they are unveiled behind his house, the light showing through the balloons onto the asphalt of the city into the bedroom of the little girl as he flies by their apartment. Um, and then capping it off, like the beauty of this home flying above the big, beautiful blue sky. Uh, there, there are just far more beautiful elements in this sequence than this Incredibles one. So sending up to the final four. 
Yeah. Something that Eva said last episode with her friend working at Pixar on this movie is the amount of intricacies that had to take place for Incredibles 2. There was a lot of awesome moments in that film. There was a lot of action moments in that film. There was a lot of mid-century moments in that film that that deserved a ton of attention. Uh, I saw that movie twice in theaters because I was like, I, I mean, I love The Incredibles anyways, but that movie felt like a Marvel movie. Like the, the fighting yeah. sequence at the end with the, the different supers with their powers and they're throwing each other through portholes and they're using their powers to get like, felt like an Avengers movie. That being said, that just means that there were other scenes in this that I felt like there was some beauty in it, even though it was very much a cartoonish kind of film, right? Marvel movies are cartoons. They are. They're humans doing things in CGI that we couldn't do as humans, right? Hey, what if is about to come out and Marvel, literally Marvel cartoon. I'm I'm so excited. I'm so excited. We'll talk about what if. Killmonger's back. Maybe Killmonger is back. We're going to have a variant (laughs) episode, essentially. We're going to have a like, what if bracket of best what if character. It's uh, if Miss Marvel was Captain America or whatever. All right. Anyways. What's interesting about Carl Goes Up is like when I was watching it, I was like, this isn't a beautiful sequence. This is what's beautiful is the color of the balloon shining into everything that it reflects on. But even that isn't a lot like it's the girl's room. It's like in some of the window reflections. Otherwise, that seems pretty great. But in the subject matter, that is the meaning of it. He's floating out of this concrete jungle that has built around him and he's leaving to a more colorful life. As Chris said, this should have been the short. That should have just ended. His wife dies. He floats off. What happened to Carl? We don't know. That, that could have been the entire movie and it continues to go on. But that iconic scene of the house floating over the clouds and at peace. Like, even at the moment of the score, it's just peaceful because Carl has finally left the one place that has given him so much trouble since his wife died. And that's that's beautiful as a subject. But then the scenery of it itself is absolutely gorgeous. I didn't move Mrs. Incredible on last time, and I don't think I'm going to do it this time. Uh, I'm going to also go with Carl Goes Up somehow. Some way he's made his way as this soft three seed, but I'll accept it. Eva, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's, I mean, you talk about visually beautiful. Although, yeah, I mean, I've seen the the basic sketches go on through to the movie for Incredibles 2. I think visually beautiful for Up for me is this, scene where yeah where the house is up the house is up you did it house is up <laughs> right and the movie the short should just be up and that's where it ends because it goes up that would have been a great short honestly um yeah i think yeah i think the up is the up the scene of up <laughs> is i i would move on to um 
because it yeah i mean that line that uh chris said it's it's pixar yeah. so it, that's it's, it's part pixar. of this bracket pixar that's it yep <laughs> all right here we go it's the final four time it is the number nine the cleaner toy story 2 versus the number 12 lightning's crash from cars 3 i've said it time and again <laughs> We've been over this over and over again. There's literally nothing else we can talk about. What Chris said that opened my brain was the time of day that the crash took place. And to have to deal with the polish of cars under a racetrack that has multiple towers of light that are all independent from each other, that's an impressive piece of animation. Like in itself, even before the crash happens, they have to go through this racetrack and that's where the sequence begins and even through the pit their use of light and shadow in that scene is just so impressive the cleaner iconic we stand our boy jerry he is the mascot <laughs> of this podcast we love him so much but he's 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 ran his course he shouldn't have been here to begin with in my eyes he's gotten here now lightning's crash definitely deserves to be in the finals because of that artistry I'm going number twelve. Um, I, I I'm proud of Jerry. I'm proud. <laughs> I'm proud that this sequence has made it this far. This is a memorable sequence. Um, yes, like based on the content of it. But I think, I think it is beautiful. I think it is honestly beautiful visually as well. Uh, so I'm happy we we've given it some credit in that respect. But I don't see it going to the finals here. Um, not against the tragic beauty of Lightning McQueen's epic car crash. Uh, so, Eva, do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, when you were talking about the night, it kind of clicked. Uh, it's like when you're sitting in the in the ballpark, right? You're yeah. sitting there. You get there. It's sun is still up, slowly starting to get down, right? And then when it's night, the lights are on the field, it's a different vibe. It's a different kind of atmosphere when you're watching something like this, something that's exciting, something that's, you know, I'm sure all the fans there are super into it, just like how any other baseball fan would be sitting in a ballpark, you know, watching their favorite uh, team and the anticipation of it. And then what happens? Uh, you throw, you blow, I don't know, like a no hitter or something like that, right? And you're just like, no, right? <laughs> and then this, with lightning crashing, all the li diehard lightning fans are like, their ha their hearts sink. And yeah. they captured that, like, yeah, tragic beauty. So yeah, I agree for sure with this. Uh, although, so sad for my, my guy, Jerry. Uh, <laughs> Jerry. Poor Jerry. Bye. Bye. Up. Uh, question question for you, Kyle. Have you ever seen a no-hitter or I've seen one, thank you very much. I missed my very first one and I saw the second one. Okay, we're don't worry about it. We're we're fifty percent over there. Um <laughs> hey, it's okay. That's still still one more than me. All right. The other side of the bracket, our other final four matchup, crossing the Marigold Bridge versus Carl goes up. Um mm. I mean, it's really fun to talk about all of the aspects <laughs> like of, 
of this like Coco sequence, you know? It is fun. It yeah, is fun. Of course. And and I think like that is a testament to the quality of the scene. Um and the visual aspects of that scene. It's not it's not Carl goes up. Not not in this matchup, no way. No. no. Uh so interesting that like when when people think of Pixar though, they think of up. Yeah. And they think of the house go like the movie's not that good, fam. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I think it is? I don't what know why, it? but this is probably what because I've I've actually had not this specific conversation, but some something that had to do with Pixar and up. I I think it's the blue. I don't know yeah. what it is. The fact yeah. that it's the sky. You have Toy Story, the blue with the, huh. the cloud pattern. That's Toy Story, Pixar, right? You Nemo? have up, the blue. Nemo, wow. the open ocean. So I think it's the blue. I Eve's think it's the colored blue. Chemtrail. Eve's chemtrail. Blue. Sure. <laughs> blue. Blue. I think it's, I, I, I'm just taking a wild guess, but I think from what I had that conversation, although we didn't necessarily say it, I think that's probably like the biggest uh, thing it's like it, it also blue. feels like imagination right like imagination yeah floating and also, above yeah and it's the uh, Pixar at the end of the whole movie you get the little lamp right Luxo and this yeah little thing so it's blue with the black hmm. lettering huh that is I don't know. I don't know that is a great observation um yeah, yeah. I'll and, accept it and I, I like, you know, I want to give credit to this sequence a little bit for like kind of establishing that very memorable image of the big blue sky and the tiny house with the balloons, you know, like that is, mm-hmm. it is iconic and it is, and it is, I, I think iconic for good reason. Yes. But a movie's not that good. Nah. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's a, a dream big message that yeah. anything can happen if you and, think about it. And that's Pixar. Yeah. Is doing what they're doing, you know. It's... And then they got the little cameo in the Monsters Inc. with Randall and the guy, don't remember his name, is prepping him for this to scare and he's putting down the little uh sheets of like brick and something else and he camouflages into it, right? And then you got the uh Toy Story yeah wallpaper and he yep. turns into the clouds. I love some some blue sky and clouds. Uh Chris, I agree with you. The number two Coco with the Marigold Bridge has to be in the finals. Uh, it's It was the clear favorite of that side of the bracket, I think. And it's just, as we've talked about, we could talk about it for an entire episode. And, <laughs> and it deserves to be there. Which means our finals of the most visually beautiful Pixar sequence is the number 12, Lightning's Crash from Cars 3 versus the number two crossing the Marigold Bridge. And I think that there is a clear winner here. I think that Coco once again deserves a banner in the Mouse Madness Hall of Fame of winners. I think that Dante, best song. Remember me, <laughs> best song. Coco crossing the Marigold Bridge. Most beautiful, most visually beautiful <laughs> Pixar sequence. It, it It's unfortunate that Lightning had to go up against Coco here. That sequence in Cars 3 deserves its own place in the yeah. Hall of Fame for sure, but it's not today. Number two, Coco wins it for me. Um, 
I, I, like, <laughs> Miguel and Natalia Laforcada, yeah. La which I yes, got thank you. wrong, um, <laughs> almost won on the last episode. So, like, they did. We could have almost had a back to back Coco, oh, which, you know, for the first time. We almost could have had that. Um, I'm actually going with Lightning McQueen's car crash course, here. Yeah. However, because um, of the emotional stakes for the hero. And Miguel has emotional stakes in that moment as well. But I am a sucker for sadness. Like, I love heartbreaking imagery. I don't know why. It's just like it affects, okay. it affects me a little bit more than like... This is like inspiring. Like this is like we are looking ahead, and like this is ha- like I love happiness. But I think in media sometimes, uh, just like sad things affect me a little bit more, um, in a good way. So to see the hero lose, I've just like I clap my hands at that every single time. And and I guess to tie into the visually beautiful aspect of it, um. <clears throat> The slow-mo, I think, is what does it for me, where they really yeah. make you hang on to that moment, um, and they really make, make you feel it, and it really soaks in, and it's not just like, oh, he crashed. It was like, he's crashing, he's crashing, he's crashing, he's crashing. Oh, my God, he's crashing. I'm dying. He's crashing. Uh, right. So, so I, think, I think without that slow-mo element, I don't know that it makes the business bracket for me, and it certainly doesn't make it this far for me. So, uh, so I'm going with, and I feel like the, like, <laughs> get her done, you get the cars crash going, to, you know, but, uh, but I like, uh, like, let's, let's just officially throw it to Eva for the tiebreaker. Yes. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one more thing. I think for me too, with the Marigold Bridge, it's the, the fact that Miguel meets his, his ancestors for the first time after hearing stories and stories and stories and stories because that's what happened to me not ancestors hold on i was like wait have you been on the bridge so first first you know an animator now you've been on the bridge i've been on the bridge guys no (laughs) um i've been to mexico for the first time i think what was it 2019 summer of 2019 I have it on my dad's side. My dad's Mexican. Oh my gosh, so much family. And I hear stories on stories on stories and stories of people I've never met. Miguel's never met these people. Yeah. I've never met my family in Mexico. And then all of a sudden, I'm there. And they're like, hola, Evita, hola, oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know who you are. And that's exactly what happened to Miguel. He's like, yeah. who are you? He's like, well, we're your family. We're your family. And that's exactly what happened to me. They're like, hi, they're coming up to me, right? And I'm like, hi and then my sister's like that's our tia that's our tío oh that's our primo that's our cousin and i'm like oh oh, okay okay and so you know people come up to me like hugging me and i'm like who are you i'm like we're your family i'm your cousin i'm your primo i'm like oh okay hi i don't know your name but hi and then he starts to get that realization like oh this is my family and that's how it was with me and then i that's why this movie is such i have such a close connection with this movie because everything I see that happened to Miguel, I can connect, I can, you know, have that connection with too. Of course. And so 
he's walking with his family on the Marigold Bridge, right? Like, and they're with each other, like as if they've known each other their whole lives, like they never passed. And that's kind of what happened to me when I was in Mexico. We're walking with them, we're having lunch with them, we're eating, and it's like we've seen. I've never not met them. It's like I've been with them my whole life, kind mm-hmm. of thing. So, yeah, I think. I mean, lightnings crash, tragic, completely tragic. Um, and yeah, I get that that sadness is a different feel in a sometimes good way. Um, but, but <laughs> I'm going to have to go with Coco here because it's just, wow. Yeah, they captured it. What? my culture is and i love it so all right we have a winner of the most visually beautiful pixar sequence it is from the film coco and is the scene in which coco and family cross the marigold bridge and as we do at the end of every single bracket we are going to clap it out Chris, we know your feelings about the movie Coco, but we now also know about your feelings about this sequence, which is just stunning and that we can talk about forever, even though you passed lightning along. I think that uh, you now have some ideas of how to design this ride at Epcot. <laughs> yeah, I'm sending in my application for Imagineering Intern tomorrow. Um, <laughs> no, uh, not mad at all. Great. I mean, I think, I think that Marigold bridge sequence was the inspiration of this whole bracket was like, you know, it's really sure the peak of Pixar quality animation. So, uh, worthy, super worthy winner. Um, Eva, thank you so much for joining us on this Pixar adventure. We had so much fun with you. <laughs> Thanks guys. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. I didn't realize how, uh, deep these scenes are you know because you're watching it and you're just like oh wow that's cool yeah right and then when you really get to talk about it it's like whoa yeah imagine what these animators had to go through and it's like you had to think about this kind of stuff and it's it's cool to uh be able to talk about them in a different way rather than i like this movie yeah okay (laughs) you know (laughs) like i do with all my other friends (laughs) and this is why i love Pixar so much and Pixar is so close to my heart. I love it. I love so many Pixar movies and now I'm going to watch them again. Yep, exactly. Perspective. (laughs) So awesome. I think like one thing I kind of learned studying film, a good kind of like rule of thumb is like everything, every single thing in a movie is intentional like right. it was someone's idea yeah. to put every single thing into any movie and and it's almost like amplified even more so in animation because of how difficult it is to put anything into a movie you know so like there is no wasted like oh that was just a guy walking around in the background of the shot like mm-hmm. yeah literally someone had to be like this person walking way back tiny speck is necessary for like the understanding of the scene or like the world we're trying to build or whatever. Folks, thank you so much for listening to another Mouse Madness Bracket with us. Uh, We've done it. 
we've crowned a winner so you have thoughts on this did we get it right i think i think people will be more happy about this one than the last one um but i mean if not let us know by the way do you have a bracket idea do you want to hop on and be a tiebreaker slash guest host on the pod we would love to hear from you we would love to have you Email us at mousemandispodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Discord, Facebook. All of those channels are linked in the description of this podcast. Till next bracket, folks, one rule you must remember is for display only.